everyone. Welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. Today we've come to the end of the series, Through Jesus' Eyes. Sometimes you don't make any progress with a problem until someone comes along and helps you to see it from a completely different angle. Jesus' words had that kind of impact. The series has looked at some of Jesus' teachings in Luke's gospel that have reshaped how people see their lives and their place in this world. Today we look at how to build lives that will weather the storms. Let's start by looking at why most people will struggle to hear or apply anything I say today. Did you hear about the battle of the baby names? Instagram influencers Sasha Benz and Jessica Hart got into a bit of a tiff. In 2018, Benz named her baby daughter Baby, spelled B-A-Y-B-I. So you can imagine her shock in 2021 when her friend Jessica told her that she was naming her baby Baby. Despite reassuring her that she was going with a different spelling, the shockingly conventional B-A-B-Y, Ben said that she was blindsided by the news, and it was reported they stopped talking to each other for a while. I had trouble understanding any of this until I learned what an industry baby names have become. There's a whole genre of TikTok accounts that have given advice on them. Some suggest old money names like Caroline, Elizabeth, and Charlotte. Others recommend main character names like Blaze, Arrow, and Falcon. Still others prefer aesthetic names like Rowan, Wren, and Atlas. I wonder how my life would have been different if my parents had named me Atlas or Blaze. The TikTok accounts are promoting paid consulting businesses to guide would-be parents to pick the perfect name. Colleen Slagan, who's behind the account naming Bebe, does video consultant consultation starting at $99 and provides a 16-name package with analysis for $250. Taylor Humphrey has been at it since 2018, and she charges up to $30,000 for full baby name branding. You're thinking, Paul, what does this have to do with anything? Just this. We are possibly the, more, the most obsessed Just this, we are possibly more obsessed with image than any other generation in history. We're more interested in changing our image than changing our hearts. We move so quickly that things seldom hit us at more than a superficial level. Even conversion sometimes can be little more than religious rebranding. The result is that we're sailing along the top of the water without a keel or an anchor. And it's left us unprepared to deal with the storms of life. Jesus is out to change that. So let's take the time to hear what he says in Luke chapter 3, verses 43 to 49. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of God. 
If we're going to weather life's storms, the first reality we need to accept is that our problem is more than skin deep. You can get the $30,000 baby name branding kit, but until, you, until you've dealt with the heart, you haven't really solved anything. Our problem is more than skin deep. The passage begins with the word for, which points us back to the words we looked at last week about taking the log out of our eye. What do you do when you realize you have an issue in your life you need to confront? Jesus asks us to consider his creation. Good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. That's how God's designed the world. If my lawn is covered with yellow dandelion flowers, it's because they have dandelion roots. If I don't like dandelions, I'm going to have to dig up the roots. But that's a lot of work, right? For those of you with lawns, how many of you are out at least weekly in the summer digging up dandelion roots? Okay. How many of you think your lawnmower does just as good a job? <laughs> and how many of you have renamed your dandelions as wildflowers instead of weeds? Those same tendencies are at work with the weeds in our character as well. We can either get at the roots, just try and lop the heads off, or rename them and pretend that all, all's good. In verse 45, Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. His message is that our problems all flow from the heart. Like weeds, they start from the roots beneath the surface. In other words, the fruit is rotten, not just bruised. People in Jesus' day struggled with that. Many people thought they just needed to be more diligent with the externals. Maybe there's more rituals they could keep, rules that they could follow. Jesus is saying that misses the point. Today, we live in an Instagram world where nothing matters if I can't take a picture of it. So this is even a bigger problem. We make almost anything other than the heart responsible for what we do. So the problem is our environment. The problem is our upbringing. For some, the problem is religion or society's repressive standards. We just need to be allowed to follow our heart and we'll be happy. We need to be free. But Jesus offers a different freedom. We want the freedom to follow our heart. And Jesus says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It's similar to the problem they're having cleaning up the Ganges River. The Ganges supplies water to a quarter of India's population, along with Nepal and part of Bangladesh. But it's one of the most polluted rivers in the world. Hundreds of millions of gallons of raw sewage pour into it every day, and they haven't been able to make any headway in cleaning it up. Envi environmentalists struggle to implement change because a billion Hindus worship it as a sacred waterway. They believe Mother Ganja can clean herself, so there's no urgency to do anything. We have the same problem trying to clean up our hearts. It's hard to clean up your heart when you worship it. We worship the heart when we assume that our children are born innocent and just need the right activities and education to be successful in life. We worship the heart every time we decide to go with our gut. We worship the heart when we neglect time in God's word and just assume that we'll know the right thing to do. We worship the heart when we focus more on being authentic than we do on being holy. Hear Jesus when he says, the problems start in the heart. If we're going to weather life storms, we need to accept that our problem is more than skin deep. And secondly, we also need to recognize that rebranding isn't the answer. If something's rotting, you can try to cover it up, but the smell will still travel. 
If the heart is the problem, rebranding can't be the answer. Verse 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? One of the things they've learned about ancient Jewish culture is that repeating a person's name was a way of expressing closeness or intimacy. That's what was happening when God calls Abraham's name twice, when he's about to sacrifice his son. It's also why God uses Moses' name twice when he, hears, when he appears to him in the burning bush. And that's what's going on when Jesus is on the cross and calls out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's reminding the Father how close they are. And it makes the pain of separation that much harder. Jesus is calling out people who say, Lord, Lord, but don't do what he says. They're not just calling him, they're acting like they're best friends with him. But they ignore what he tells them to do. That doesn't add up. The rebuke is even stronger in Matthew's version. There it says, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. He's like, you talk as if we hang out all the time, but I don't even have your number. So why would someone talk as if they were tight with Jesus when they didn't actually live in obedience to his commands? Did they just not realize that ignoring him was not okay? I think he was dealing with the same issue we face in our generation. Let's face it, it's easier to pretend to be near the Lord than to actually be near the Lord. He was confronting the person who wanted total transformation with only a surface obligation. He was speaking to the person who chose religious rebranding over heart repentance. It's a person who chooses Christian virtue signaling over Christian commitment. While this has always been an issue, when you live in a, in a world where image is everything and parents are told that their child's greatest need is a unique name, not a pure heart, religious rebranding will just feel like the most natural thing in the world. Now, some of you are thinking, I've seen this and it's turned me off the church. The problem is that you'll probably just trade religious rebranding for a different kind of rebranding, and it won't do you any more good in dealing with your heart. Some people decide to invest in professional rebranding. They give themselves to their careers and hope the image of professional success will cover up or at least compensate for the problems in their lives. Some people commit to physical rebranding. If you can hit the gym and make over your appearance, it feels like that might be the answer. All of the beautiful people seem to be having fun, so there must be something to it. But you don't turn weeds into flowers by painting the petals. There's no question social media has provided one of the most powerful rebranding tools ever. You can carefully curate what you show people and what you don't. You can add filters on TikTok that make you look like a model, even if you're not. But it's all just a show. And like the people Jesus confronted, eventually the curtain will go up and the mask will come off to expose what's underneath. But Jesus is waving his hands up and down to warn us that's not the answer. The solutions aren't in more window dressing. We have to get to the root, have to deal with our heart. So we're trying to understand how to weather life storms. And we said we first got to accept that our problem is more than skin deep. The fruit is rotten, not just bruised, so we've got to get to the heart of things. Then we've said we've got to recognize that rebranding isn't the answer. You can't have total transformation with a surface obligation. Finally, we learn that come, here, do is a blueprint to weather the storm. When we're willing to open our hearts, Jesus is willing to do the surgery. When we respond to his word, he provides the anchor to steady us. Come, here, do is the blueprint to weather the storm. 
Jesus finally lays out the plan for us. And in verse 47, he describes the person who's tired of superficial fixes and cover-ups. He says, everyone who comes to me hears my words and does them. Make sure you hear the three parts of that plan. The first is come to me. Nothing starts until we go to Jesus. Only he can perform the heart surgery we need. And in fact, that's the great promise of scripture. It's predicted all through the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, for instance, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus is the one who came to give us a new heart and a new spirit. He's the one who removes the hard-hearted stubbornness from us. When we trust in him, he fills us with new desires and values. So if you're trying to live the Christian life without first coming to Jesus for new life, don't do it. That's an exercise in futility. It all starts with coming to Jesus. The next step is here. Jesus was addressing people who were largely illiterate, so the main way they were exposed to the Word of God was by hearing it. But they would hear with intensity and purpose. David said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The way that you build resiliency in your life is through the Word of God. Listen to it. Read it. Reflect on it. Talk about it. Memorize it. It can't change you unless it goes into you and it has to go deep. And finally, we have to respond. That's the do part of come here do. God's truth mixed with obedient faith results in power. That's why James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Francis Bacon put it like this, it is not what we gain but what we save that makes us rich, not what we read but what we remember that makes us learned, and not what we preach or pray but what we practice and believe that makes us Christians. In an image-obsessed world, it's easy to forget that. With a simple invitation, come, hear, do, Jesus pointed to a life that was anchored, a life of substance, a life with a firm foundation. Our world instead keeps calling us to build sandcastles. We want to follow our heart instead of following Jesus. We want to scroll Instagram more than read and memorize God's word. We want religious rebranding rather than radical repentance. And so let me just address the person sitting on the fence this morning. Maybe you've held back on commitment to Jesus because you want to keep your options open. Or maybe you'd call yourself a Christian, but you know that your faith has, hasn't ever gone very deep. I want, you to I want to challenge you to consider the evidence. Do an informal experiment with me. In verse 48, Jesus says that the come here do person was like someone building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. But in verse 49, the person who just wanted a surface exposure to Jesus was like someone who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Jesus said that the floods and the streams would hit both houses, can't avoid the storms of life. But while the floodwaters couldn't shake the house that was built on the rock, the one without a foundation fell, and Jesus says the ruin of that house was great. Answer me this. How are the people with the $30,000 baby branding kits weathering the storms of life? Has following your heart made people stronger and more resilient? Has our focus on image over character and style over substance made us more secure or less? Has it made us more stable or less? I feel the pull of our image-obsessed culture all the time. It's so easy for me to be superficial. 
It's easy for me to feed myself spiritual candy rather than spiritual food. But what keeps driving me to Jesus is the Christians I see in the storm. When you see a come here, do Christian face a diagnosis, a failure, or a loss, if you see someone who's walked with Jesus and read and lived his word intimately, there's a hope and a confidence that TikTok can't sell. There's a foundation to their lives that secures them when the trials come. I want that strength for my life, and I want it for yours. Because eventually the storm will hit each of us, either in this life or the next. The foundation that we've built our lives on will be tested, again, either in this life or the next. And only those who stood on the rock that is Christ will stand. Give yourself to him today. Find a way to break free from the scrolling and get God's word into your heart instead. And battle the forces in your life that would keep your obedience superficial. Dig deep. Lay your foundation on what's solid. And as you do, hear the promise of Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. It says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do thank you that you are a God who, by your grace, gives us the courage to deal with our heart. You're the one who can rescue us from superficial fixes and from a world that is obsessed with image. I pray, Father, for anyone listening now who's never come to Jesus, never really engaged in a relationship, never submitted him, submitted to him truly as Lord. Help them to come to you. And for those who do, Father, help us to take the word of God, to hear it, to read it, to reflect it, to let it sink down deep into our heart that we might be changed in our in the foundation of our being. And as we reflect on your word, give us the courage to do it to act on it, to take courageous steps of obedience, and so glorify you and reflect the change that Jesus came to bring. We praise you in his name. Amen. I hope today's message has helped you to see how God can deal with our hearts and bring us to uh, lives that are uh, can weather the storm, can uh, stand on a rock and a solid foundation. If you think this is a message that other people need to hear, then help share the, share the link and spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.